Thanks, Ree, for that prayer. I certainly need it. So how's everyone going? Are you enjoying our new series in Philippians? Joy comes in the morning. Well, we've spent the last three weeks looking at chapter one, and today we move on to chapter two. I think we'll all, we would all agree that maps are very useful and at times essential. Now, for most of us, if we want to get somewhere, we get out our phone and we put in the address of where we want to go and then our phone or whoever it is on the phone, Google or whatever, takes us to where we want to go and we don't get lost, which is great. I remember back when um, some of you younger ones may not remember this, but we used to have maps that were in books and you sort of be on one page and then it would say go to this next page you'd be flipping over there to find the next page and you go back to another page and then there were those big maps that you'd fold out and there they were and you'd be sort of trying to follow your way to find where you had to go but a map is important to us because it tells us where we are and how to get to where we're going so today I want to share a map with you that shows you how to reach a destination one I'm sure that you'll want to reach and that is the destination of joy. This map is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and explains that by pursuing unity, we gain joy. This map shows us the motivation for pursuing this unity. It, it talks to us about the attitudes that we need for unity that produces joy, and it gives us the practices that need to be lived out in order for us to reach this unity that results in joy. So I want to explore this map more closely so that we reach the destination of unity that produces joy. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You've experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So what motivates us to pursue unity? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. So I'm sure that's a great motivation. But in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul's telling us that there are four things that might motivate us towards this unity that produces joy. And the first one that he talks about is the encouragement we receive from a relationship with Christ. Think about a relationship that you value. Now, what characterizes that relationship? Or think about a group of friends and the relationship that you share together because of maybe a common passion or purpose. What characterizes the relationships in that group? I think probably high on the list would be encouragement. We receive encouragement from relationship. And that's something that I think is really important to all of us. And you know, as Christians, we, we gain great encouragement from our personal, personal relationship with Jesus. And in addition, we receive strength and support that comes from being a part of the family of God. In our relationship with God, we are never alone. He is with us. He is by our side fighting for us. He will strengthen us, he will help us, he will hold us up. And I find this greatly reassuring. And whether in my personal relationship with Jesus or in my relationship with others, that I find the encouragement that comes from that because of those relationships gives me great joy 
and helps me to come together in unity. The second thing that Paul focuses on is the comfort we receive from his love. Love does help us to feel secure and safe, doesn't it? Love reassures us that all is well with the world. Love surrounds us with a warmth and comforts us even in difficult times. And the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. This is a great comfort to receive a love that sets us free from fear. And then I'm sure that if, you, if love is important to you, then you will not want anything to interrupt that. Disunity separates us from one another and from God. But I think the comfort of his love motivates us towards unity and the joy that comes from that. Thirdly, Paul focuses on the motivation that comes from our deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, our deepening friendship with him. Someone asked a great man once the secret of his success and he answered, I had a friend. He let everyone know that without the help of his friend, his life would have been a failure. His friend had helped him, he'd encouraged him, he'd stood by him. His friend loved him, had faith in him and made his life worthwhile. Do you have a friend like that? In friendship with the Holy Spirit, we begin to experience a sense of wholeness and joy that is unattainable through any other relationship or aspect of life. I think it's probably a bit like what Adam and Eve experienced as they walked in the garden with God. We discover his incredible love, affection and perfect help that's available to us through our friendship with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 16 to 17, God says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and he will live inside you. You have living within you the same spirit who authored scripture, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and empowered the disciples and was a part of creating the universe. And the Bible says that he longs to be your friend. Jesus calls him our helper, how incredible is the grace of God to offer us relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then fourthly, Paul focuses on the motivation that comes from God's affectionate and tender heart. Paul says that God has shown us tenderness and affection in order that we will do the same with one another. For us, this means having the ability to feel somebody's pain or hurt with them through their trials. This is important because when we're in conflict, often we can only feel our own pain. We can't hear the cries of another person because we're so overwhelmed by our own pain or even consumed with the hurt of someone else. But when we have an affectionate or tender heart, this leads us to be compassionate and to serve the very needs of even those who hurt us. And because Christ is tender and compassionate towards us, by showing this to others, we are drawn together in unity, which creates a deep joy. So we're motivated by the encouragement we receive from our 
relationship with Christ. We're motivated by the comfort of God's love. We're motivated by the deep and abiding friendship of the Holy Spirit and by God's tender and compassionate heart. And this helps us to want to work towards unity that produces joy. But our attitudes are also very important. And Paul focuses on this in Philippians 2 verse 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, of one mind or purpose. And so these are the attitudes that we need to have. The first one is that we need to be like-minded. Now, being like-minded doesn't mean that we all think the same. What it means is that we all have the same mind as Christ. Christ's mindset was that of a servant. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And how did he serve? He gave his life as a ransom for our lives. His mindset was one of humility, love and trust. And if we have his mind, we will experience joy. Our attitude must be also one that has the same love as Christ. Now, the type of love that Paul is talking about here is a Greek word, agape. It's not a selfish love or a love that says, I love you until you hurt me, or I love you only if you love me, or I love you because I feel like that right now, but if I don't feel like this anymore, I, I won't love you anymore. That type of love will never result in unity and it cannot be relied on. The sort of love that Paul is talking about here is an act of the will. Now think about this. If we think about Jesus uh, showing his love to us by dying on the cross, do you think that he felt like doing that? He was a man and I don't think he felt like dying. In fact, he even went to his father and said, is it possible that I don't have to go through with this? Is there another way? Now, he didn't feel like dying for us, but he made a decision to demonstrate his love for us in that while we were still his enemies, he still gave his life for us. Having this sort of love, this attitude of love, means you give, not expecting in return. That is the type of love that God gives to us. Now, we fail, we dishonor him, and yet he still loves us. He says that he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He loves us whether we respond to his love or not. And so that's why Paul says this is the attitude we need to have. We need to have the same mind as Christ and we need to have the same love as Christ. And then he goes on to say we need to make sure that we do not accommodate competing spirits, but rather we need to have one spirit. We're all different parts of the body of Christ. And yes, there are many parts, but we are bound together by one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they're all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have all been given the same Holy Spirit. We need all parts of the body and all parts of the body need each other. It goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 20 to 21. So he has made many parts but there still is only one body. The eye can never say to the hand I don't need you. 
The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So we're different, but we're all part of one body and we are united by one spirit. Though we're different, we need to live having only one spirit and that is the spirit of God. That is how we build unity that produces joy. And finally, we must have an attitude that is unified around one purpose. You know, when the church is unified around something as big as the good news of Jesus, then our petty differences fall to the ground. What will unify a people with different cultures, different careers, different ages, different sexes? It has to be something bigger than all of those things. And you know what it is? It is the good news, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ for the world. Competing purposes will only divide. If your purpose is your kingdom and your will be done, then you will fight with everybody who gets in your way. If your purpose is your comfort, then you will fight against everything and everybody who makes you uncomfortable. But when your purpose is bringing the good news to people so that their lives are transformed, you'll want to unite with people, even those very different to yourself, to seek to advance God's kingdom. If our purpose is seeing people come to know the love of Christ, that they are willing to live out his plan for their lives, then this purpose will unify us, knowing that we are seeking to change people's eternity. And that is why God says where there is unity, he commands a blessing. When this sort of unity exists, the result is the blessing of joy. So what do we have to do? What do we have to practice in order to attain unity? Well, Paul puts it very clearly in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern what matters to others instead of your own interests and consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. These four practices can be put very simply, although I don't think it's as easy to live them out. The first one, live pride-free. Secondly, abandon selfishness. Thirdly, consider others above yourself. And fourthly, imitate Christ. Think the way he thinks. And if we go on in, in chapter 2 from verse 6, what was the mind of Christ? He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So if we follow this map in Philippians 2 to reach unity that produces joy, then we must have the right motivations. And what are those? You remember the encouragement that comes from our relationship with Jesus, the comfort that comes from God's love, 
the deep and abiding friendship with the Holy Spirit and the tenderness and affectionate heart of God towards us. Then we need to make sure that we have the right attitudes, being like-minded, having the same love as Christ, having one spirit and one purpose expressed through the right practices of living pride-free, abandoning selfishness, considering others above ourselves and following Christ's example, thinking as he thinks, having his mind. This map, these motivations, attitudes and practices will lead us to a destination that is life-changing and extremely fulfilling. A life of joy lived out in unity with Christ and with others. You know, I don't think that we can do this on our own. But with God giving us the strength, all things are possible. So let's pray and ask for his wisdom and understanding so that we can pursue this unity and be filled with joy. Dear God, our Father, we thank you so much for your word that helps us to understand your purpose for us, your plan for us, your incredible love for us and shows us how when we not only receive this love but give this love to others, we can change their lives. God, help us to be motivated by our relationship with you, by the comfort we receive from you, by your heart, so that we can adopt the right attitudes and live in a way that honours you and blesses others. We know, God, when we do that, this, by the power of your spirit, in your strength, that we will come together in a unity that commands a blessing, a blessing of joy, not just for us, but for those around us. And we will see this overflow into the world. And God, that's our heart. We want to see people. That's our purpose. We want to see people come to know you, to experience your transforming love and to be able to live life to the full as you have designed for us to live. So I pray for all of us today, God, that we can we can meditate on this that you've shared through your spirit with us this morning, that we'll look at this word again and again and let it sink deep into our spirits and then that we will live that out every day in every aspect of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you all. It's great to share with you. And remember that joy comes in the morning. There may be some difficulties, but Joy comes in the morning.